All right. Hi. Hello. Hello. Um, this is Ellen. I'm here with Michael Vespa, a good friend of mine, somebody who I think has been very pivotal in the past few years of my life and my journey. That's a lot of pressure. It is a lot of pressure. But thankfully, uh, we are here to talk about you and not about me. <laughs> so that's even more pressure. Yeah, thanks. Um, but I think that, well, we are here at the, is it your third RIP yeah. camp. Do we decide that this was our th- this was our yeah. third one? Yeah, yeah, it's our third one. Third. What'd you say? He said saying number four. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So third or fourth. It's uh, our third for sure. RIP yeah. athlete camp, and I mm-hmm. think that I was one of two athletes not too many years ago that you were programming for, and mm-hmm. so I think that it's a really interesting story professionally, but it's also tied in greatly personally with your growth and your journey of how we got to where we were and using Mm -hmm. Google Doc sheets (laughs) and Mm -hmm. killing my legs to, you know, having 20 to 30 people show up for a weekend long camp. And we're here to talk about that. So where, I guess we'll just start like when I walked into your doors, (laughs) where was, what was RIP? Where It wasn't really anything. So that would have been in 2015? Yeah, I yeah. think so. Like yeah, 2015. Two, or yeah, 2015. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you had came in, you were visiting your brother uh, who was going to UMD in yep. Duluth. And you were looking to drop in. And you, I think if I remember right, you had been kind of doing CrossFit, right, with your friend Sarah, like weightlifting a little bit. Yeah, I joined a CrossFit gym. I was running track in college, That's right. but I wanted to. I was like, I need to lose weight. How can I lift and lose weight? And I was yeah. like, Oh, I'm gonna do CrossFit. Right. <laughs> and you know, then traveling, and I had drank the Kool Aid, and I was like, yeah. Well, I need to continue to do CrossFit when right. I travel. And yeah, I think when you walk, I think when you came to the gym that day, I know. Well, I've been programming for the gym, so I've been programming for aerial athletics. Um, and I, I'm trying to think, yeah, we had a competitors class um, called the Bridge. Mm-hmm. I think that ha- wasn't very old when you had come in. I think we'd only been doing that for about f- five or six months. Yeah, you had a good turnout though. Yeah, we yeah there was a group of like ten or twelve people that were regularly there, but that was just like template programming, and that was just a lot of, mm, hey, I think this looks interesting hey, I think everybody, I see that everybody sucks at this, so we're going to work on that type thing. And so that was like, I think that was when I was really first starting to get into enjoying the idea of program design. I mean, I'd always kind of been messing around with it, but I think that's when I realized that it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I think first off, is yeah. I, I didn't honestly, I didn't ever think that it was going to be where it's at today. I didn't think that that was going to be such a mm, such a uh, I think such a big force in my life, like such a big important part of my life at the time. I thought that it was just going to be a fun thing. I thought it was just going to be a CrossFit coach because I, yeah. you know, I, I was done being in the military. And I just thought I was going to be a CrossFit coach, and I was going to be part of running and slash owning a CrossFit gym. And I just thought that's just where I was going to be. I never imagined that. I didn't know enough about how 
I didn't realize how little I knew about programming yeah. to think that it, that I was ever going to like actually want to learn more to make it what it is. So I remember actually to give her credit, the OG OG athlete of me working with more is Alex. Alex. Cause I remember I was Alex's first CrossFit coach when she first started CrossFit when she was 15, 15 or 16. Mm-hmm. Alex can probably, she's either going to end up listening to this and being correcting me on her age, but I believe <laughs> I know that she had either just gotten or was just about to get her driver's license. But anyways, um, and she was like the first person that I, that I was like, Oh, this person is an athlete. Like yeah. they're different than everybody else in CrossFit class. Like, hey, I think I could do something to maximize on that potential I, and make them better. I even think what you're saying right there was way smarter than what I was thinking. Yeah. I think I was just thinking this person moves and learns way faster than other people. Why is that? Yeah. You know, and I just want to figure it out. Well, it was more, more, she was one of those people like, Hey, you should try to do a, this. This is called a muscle up. think you can do it. Hey, this is called a snatch. You think you can do it? Like that's what she was when it started. And she's totally willing to jump into stuff it, like that. Exactly. And she, she had is. the athletic ability to do it. And so that was like the first, I think that was the first, first moment when I knew that getting, <laughs> getting people to do cool things athletically felt cool as a coach. I had never realized how much like that was going to transform into a profession or a, I guess, for lack of a better term, a science. Yeah. But then when you came, I had really been, that had been about two years in. So in 2000, that was the winter of 2015. I think it was just after the, not long after the new year, I think. Yeah. Um, And I had, at that point, I had been about two years into really researching what, uh, I was really obsessed with strength and movement at the time. Mm -hmm. And so when you came in, of course, it was like, oh, you know, collegiate level athlete, um, you know, in my mind, I was like, oh, somebody that I can just like, hey, these are the things you need to do. Just go do them. And then uh, all I knew is that may, it would make you a better athlete or it wouldn't. And I just have to figure it out. Yeah. And so that's really what it was. I think both of us were so new to it that as a coach, I thought that if you just did the things that I wrote down, that it would just in some sense make you a better athlete. And I think that outside of track, you didn't really know anything else. So you just were like, well, this person knows sounds like he knows what he's talking about so I'm just gonna do it you know but I also think you were kind of searching for something so that made you an eager beaver so to speak in that that way too it's funny because I hear you talk about how you were like when I first had you know when I first programmed for Ellen I had no idea what I was doing and the first time I heard you say that I was like what like, <laughs> like I had absolutely no idea. I didn't and know. And within context, right? Yeah, yeah, I had I had no idea that I was the only one or one of very few that you were programming for mm-hmm. that. And, you know, maybe it's because I, I when I'm searching for something, I, I trust easily yeah. or just something about you that... I mean, I changed the the course of my life direction that one weekend. <laughs> the, the whole trajectory of your life within two days. Yeah. So yeah. there's obviously some some big trust that I had in you. Yeah. And yeah, maybe but, I'm just a good salesman. Right. I think that's it, it too. Yeah. But uh, I want to go back to you said that you didn't see RIP becoming such a big part of your life at that point. What did you think your life was going to be? Sorry, my dog just made an accident. That's what I was. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know. Honestly, like, I mean, I was fitness has always been a part of my life, and I've talked about this many times because of my dad, because my dad's been a professional bodybuilder and a personal trainer 
ever since ever since I've been born. You know what I mean? And so fitness was always something that I understood. I always just assumed was part of people's life, especially being really strong, uh, really strong and whatnot. But um, and how to build muscle. But I think what CrossFit, what I found interesting about CrossFit was that it was really actually making people very capable performance like people were just able to perform like you know in the athletic sense in the competitive sense which I just thought was so interesting to me because I had only ever been just around bodybuilding but yeah I I didn't really know and I I think that for me at the time I'm the type of person where if I don't know something and I find any like if I find something remotely interesting and you can ask my wife this but like if I find something even remotely interesting I'll stay up all night long Mm -hmm. reading or finding YouTube videos or finding a book and what, like I'll spend countless useless hours. Like I think when we moved to Fargo, uh, I thought it was interesting that there weren't more food trucks here. So like (laughs) I went deep down the rabbit hole of, you know, (laughs) what did it, what did it mean to have a food truck? But you know, that's just for me, that was my personality. And at the time I wasn't really exposed to much other than one individual in the coaching world that had been around like really improve like like you were saying optimizing the performance of athletes yeah so I didn't ever think that because I just didn't know yeah I didn't know what that entailed I didn't know what the education looked like I didn't know that there were really actually so many different ways and thoughts and principles and ideas and schools of thought on performance and strength and all this stuff so at first when I started going down the rabbit hole of research to see how to get smarter, I was like, oh, there's just so much out there that mm-hmm. I'm never going to be able to accumulate all of it yeah. in the time. You know, I, I was stuck in that frame, frame of mind where, okay, I need to have this knowledge by the time I'm 30, mm-hmm. and, you know, to be successful or to be equivalent to an act, a, you know, somebody who's gone to college. Yeah. It's and, like if I like, there's a box of knowledge and I need to know all of it yeah, before I can help exactly. someone or before so, I can do this. So 100%. And so for me, like that's was like oh well this is this is always just going to be a hobby Mm -hmm. the coaching at CrossFit class there's always going to be a CrossFit gym like I can always coach yeah uh, at a gym I never thought that yeah I just thought it was a hobby because I didn't think that I had the time um, or the time to afford to gain what I thought was quote unquote you know the needed knowledge when in reality which I'm you know I'm sure we'll get to like that's not the actual answer. No. So I think for me, that's why I never thought it was going to be anything more than a hobby with a couple of people. Yeah. Do you think too, that because of the situation that you were in, um, you weren't necessarily given the space or the ability to find that on your own. I mean, you were where you were coaching, where you were working, Mm -hmm. where I was also working. Mm -hmm. Wasn't the, greatest environment I think for that personal growth do you think that that stunted it a little bit or that that contributed to you sort of not believing you could do more with it uh, that's a good question and and I guess the first thing I'll say is that as I say this um, I've grown from a place of hurt and anger and as I speak about this I don't speak about it anymore is that I'm upset and hurt with that situation I speak about I'm gonna speak about it in a way that I'm very grateful for um, opportunity and learning, but I do think that in the at that point, what I think what stunted me is that there was always a feeling in the air and a pressure that if I became more ambitious for myself, that that was either taking away from the true business, and or it's like I felt like 
I felt like I was potentially putting myself in a position to be poised as a competitor mm-hmm. versus a supporter yeah. or, or a tool. You know what I mean? And so I think for me, it almost was like the... Okay, so you, you'll you understand this because you grew up in the Midwest going to public school. Like, yeah. Remember, like... Did you ever have a feeling when, like, maybe your mom gave you an extra couple bucks or you got something from the vending machine in, like, elementary or middle school and then you snuck it in with you to lunch and you were afraid for everybody to see what you have because maybe you knew that they would want some of it or that they'd expect you to share with them or try to trade you or be like, hey, where'd you get that? Yeah. You know that feeling? Yeah. Like, we all know that as kids. I think that's the feeling I had is, like, someone would almost be like, hey, where did you get that? Like, where did you get that? What are you going to do with that? Yeah, not not in a supportive way, but in, a, like, a defensive or a... Yeah. They feel like they're entitled to part of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I think that what was limiting in that sense is that I felt like... I felt like all of my transactions of help with people were in the alley behind the building. Yeah. Does that make sense? Almost, almost like you had to... You had to hide what you were doing. Yeah, or like, hey, I'm going to give you this. Don't tell somebody where you got it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is totally limiting to you because you can't truly express or be passionate or show passion about what you're doing. I mean, it's like, it's like having a part of your life where you go and you're so happy when you're doing it, but Mm -hmm. then coming home and having to completely hide it from everyone. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's what it felt like. And I think that once I started to realize the benefit it was having on other people's health and other people's happiness for what they thought they wanted to pursue... I think that's when I started to get a little bit more vocal about, hey, I think this is important that I do that. Mm-hmm. And and it was a situation, again, like you're saying, where the more I became more passionate about it, the more I was like, hey, this is actually something within this, you know, business and community that people want and people are asking me for, like, could I do this thing? And then it's like, once I got to a certain place of boldness, it was then like, yeah, but you got to make sure it serves the purpose of me as well, you know, mm-hmm. to, you know, or serves the purpose of the business as well, which I was never against, but yeah. you know, it was one of those things where I think, I think part of it, part of the problem at that time too was on me because I was still part of me. I think because I was still very insecure about the knowledge I had, I think that part of it, part of why I pushed back so hard or lashed out back so hard is because internally when I would be responded to like that, it would make me think, well, do you not think that I know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you projecting those insecurities to almost protect yourself to be like, well, I know what I'm talking about. So why don't you trust me? Exactly. And I, and I think to a, to a fault that was my, that was my issue. Mm -hmm. Um, and you were there, you know, you were there for part of that, you know, and, and I think that there were things about, expressing what I was passionate about that I could have done in a different way. Um, but yeah, but I think to come back to your question, yeah, I, I do think, I think the biggest thing that was limiting about that situation is just that, that I had the ability to help people and give something that people wanted. And and eventually when that kind of did happen a little bit, it blew, it blew up. It did. You know, and it blew up, it blew up within that gym first. And then when I wanted to take a little bit more ownership of it, because Mainly because I'm the type of person where if I'm going to do something, I want to take ownership of it because if it fails, I want it to be on me. Yeah. I don't want it to be on other people. But it started to blow up. You know, it, where it started to blow up is then people would notice our people from our gym that would go to competitions. They'd start to do really well. Mm-hmm. And other people that we knew at competitions would be like, hey, like, what are you doing? And they'd be like, oh, you know, we have this group or we have this team or Michael's coaching us. And, and then I'd get people and like, hey, I think 
Like, I think I'd like to do that. I think, could you coach me too? And um, then it was like, once that started happening, that's, and people were starting to talk about it more and people from outside the gym were then starting to talk to the gym owner, you know, that's when it became a really big issue. Yeah. And I think it, it was hard because it, it's always hard when you start a business or start something that has any relation to the business that you're already in. Right. Because I think what you were doing was something that the, the gym we worked at, like a dream that they wanted to be able to provide but mm-hmm. didn't currently. Mm-hmm. And so there was probably some... I don't want to say jealousy, but some sort of, you know, ill... I think jealousy is a good jealousy. word. Jealousy. I don't think jealousy always means malicious. Yeah, it's yeah. true. I mean, we're all jealous yeah. to some extent. That's why I think jealousy is a good word for that. Yeah, just because you were developing or had developed something on your own rather than under the umbrella of the gym that we were working at. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I you know, and I think that, again, there was, when I saw those those things, that jealousy come up, I, again, I, I think that my part was, is that I handled it more of a, well, so what versus a, okay, how would you like to be part of this? Yeah. Or how can we work? How this can out? we work this out? Instead, mm-hmm. I said, instead of, because again, it was something that was still so new to me. I was trying to build confidence in mm-hmm. it. Again, I think I perceived it as an attack yeah. or that somebody was trying to take something away from me when the reality is, is I've could have framed it in a position where I could have been like, okay, cool. Where and how would you like to be involved and how can we make this bigger than just me? Yeah. You know? But it's it's hard to think rationally sometimes when you're so emotional about oh, something. Oh, yeah. Right. And there was a lot of other, there was a lot of other factors that outside of, issues outside of just that one, that one specific thing that were also going on, you know, just, just not, just core values and core views just not lining up as well. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that, uh, you know, also the issue of, uh, a collective of multiple type A personalities mm-hmm. trying to work cohesively as a team, like that only that only goes so far. That's, there's a reason why you know CFOs and CEOs break off to start their own companies because yeah. you know it just type A personalities aren't always made to um, thrive in the same environment. And that's okay, and I think that part of it now what I take from that is that everything that happened and 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 the support that maybe I, that wasn't there or that that was okay because now everyone's clearly, you know, been better off because of it. But it was still a time of turmoil that made me question like, well, maybe I really don't know what I'm doing. And maybe, you know, maybe I'm meeting so much resistance because the universe is trying to be like, Hey, maybe you don't, maybe don't need to be doing this. Yeah. I want to actually talk a little bit more about that resistance because I think, you know, you're, you're in that situation obviously. And then you were let go from that gym for, Various reasons, and it was a surprise to you. I think uh, it was. Yeah. I mean, so, yes and no. The way it was done. The was way a it surprise. was done was a surprise, yeah. and I think that that put you in a very tough place because you had, you know, you no longer have the security of the job that you have. You mm-hmm. now, you have this programming that you previously knew was gaining traction, but you didn't know it was gonna, like, be a strong force for the rest of your life. Right. And you had a family to support. And yeah, that was the scariest part of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How. How was that time for you? What was um, a lot of crying? Yeah, <laughs> uh, a lot of days of not getting off the couch. Mm-hmm. Um, I ate a lot of Dominoes. Oof. Yeah, uh, I watched a lot of anime because <laughs> yeah. uh, I really like anime. Is that your go-to? That's my sad, go-to. Yep. <laughs> sad um, shows. Yeah, honestly, a lot of a lot of anger, a lot of hurt. I think mainly because. I don't know. It, it could be. It, it could be growing up in a bigger family. It could be of being in the military, things like that. But for me, like. 
I don't know. Like I grew up in a, I grew up in an environment or a world where, you know, we could continue to talk shit across the room from each other. But then once we get to the point of throwing mitts and you know, just kicking each other in the teeth for a couple of times, we, yeah, I came from an environment with that way. We get to that point, you dust each other off and go, okay, we cool. Yeah, we're cool. Yeah. You know, and then it would be boom, good from there. But I think that working with, in the environment we did, that there was a lot of extreme passive aggressiveness, um, yeah. or extreme, not, no, I shouldn't say passive aggressiveness, uh, discomfort with confrontation mm-hmm. and it hung in the air and it hung in the air. And I am, and you knew, and there was many times where I was vocal and I didn't like it hanging in the air mm-hmm. and I would, you know, and so I understand that, you know, that I reacted in a way where I just assumed it was going to come to, you know, for lack of a better term, swinging fists. And, and I mean that in a verbal sense or a yeah. business sense, but then the, the air would clear and we'd be okay. Yeah. Like a, like another bump in the road. Yeah. We'd still and, figure this yeah, out. Yeah. And I think that part of that too was that I had given that opportunity to the other person so many times mm-hmm. that I just assumed it was always going to be reciprocated back. But I also understand that that person was in a position where their business mentors and their coaching mentors and other life mentors were saying, Hey, maybe this is time to go to a different crossroad. You know, so we were both receiving different advice on how to deal with that tension. Mm-hmm. And I just think at that moment, and you know, and the, and the funny thing is, is most people don't probably don't even know, like it was a look at each other and go, Hey, this just isn't working. Um, and at that moment, I think I, I think I wanted to be angry, mm-hmm. but I, at that moment, I remember cause we, I was getting ready to leave the gym and I knew, like I knew, I knew it was coming. Like you could I, always tell. I could feel. You yeah, could always tell. I knew it was coming because it was the awkwardness. It was the no eye contact. It was just, it, you know, it was just. I could feel it, and you know, it was palpable. And so I remember Jade had already walked, gone out to the car, and I came back in just to kind of clean up the gym. We had just had a comp class, and yeah. I was just making sure everything was good to go. And you know, me and this individual just kind of looked at each other, and it was just like, hey, this isn't working. And and I was just kind of like, yeah, you know what. It's not. It had to be some sort of relief. I mean, because you, like you said, with family, you were like, you know, we would punch and kick each other and then we get to a point where it's like, yeah, we're good. But that's family, you know, that's to some extent they are a part of your life permanently. Not always, but, Mm -hmm. you know, you were born into it. But there is something to be said about being surrounded by people who who support you yeah. um, and who love you and want you to succeed. And that's not always going to be a loving environment, but there does come a point where sometimes you have to say, this has been good, but it's also been bad. Mm-hmm. And right now it's more bad than good. And so I think that it's time to step away. And that's what it continued to be. Cause for the whole, I mean, for the whole final year of being in that job and, you know, you could almost, to me, it was a partnership, you know, mm-hmm. in, in, a, in a lack for lack of a better term. It really was, you know, so, but that whole last year, um, that was the first time in the almost four years that I worked there where I dreaded coming to work every single day. Mm-hmm. The, my only saving grace were those people that were in that comp class and the other individuals that I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, but yeah, I walked out into the car and, you know, of course Jade knows everything, you know, she can just tell, she's like, what's up? I was like, I'm done working here. And she's like, she, I, I didn't know. I, I was curious to see how she would react, but she just went, all right, uh, what, what now? Yeah. And I just said, I don't know. And she just said, we were kind of quiet for a minute and she goes, how do you feel? And I go, I feel really good. Yeah. And I was like, is that bad? 
And she's like, well, what do you mean? She's like, you're, you're not making any money right now. <laughs> um, We're going to well, go broke. <laughs> and I never really made much money to begin with. So, you know, it was just kind of like whatever. Um, Lost a couple nickels out of my pocket. That's yeah, funny. right? Poverty wage salary. We got, we got it. Yeah. Uh, hashtag, you know, baller on a budget. Um, yeah, you know, honestly, that last year of the things that Jade and I had gone through and the, you know, the other situations that we had kind of helped support that were happening in that community as well. I mean, we had just gotten to a point where it was like, what's next? You know, it just, it, it was almost There's gotta be more. Yeah. It was almost like we were, I almost found that moment. Cause she's like, cause she it was silent for a second after that. And she goes, well, how do you feel? And I almost wanted to start laughing, mm-hmm. but I didn't. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, the first thing I said is like, well, I need to find a job because I, I have a family. I have a wife and I have a daughter. Like, I got to figure something out. And she's like, okay. And then I said, I think I think I need to make, I think I want to make Ruthless as big as I talk to you and dream about. Yeah. Because up until that point, it had only been able to be a side hustle just because of the situation I was in. But I mean, I had an office at our apartment and I literally had a giant whiteboard on my on there and I had drawn up a plant on this whole, I had spent like a couple hundred bucks on, if you, are you familiar with Lewis Howes? Yeah. So Lewis Howes had this webinar on how to build a profitable business, mm-hmm. online profitable business. And Jade's probably going to listen to this and be pissed that she founds out that I spent money on it because I told her it was a free webinar. <laughs> um, but I spent 200 bucks. Yeah, but look at it now. Look yeah. at what it's created. Well, I spent 200 right? bucks to do this like two hour webinar. Yeah. And because I didn't know what to do. And I was just like, so I did that and I just filled that whiteboard mm-hmm. with things, with framework and things, words and things. I didn't even know really what they were in business because it was all new to me. And that's when I made the decision. I was like, okay, I I have to make this work. You know, I wasn't going to just, I was still looking for other jobs. Um, I did started doing working for an insurance agency. Um, and, but I know, I guess I'll get to that in a minute, but yeah, so I started, I went home and started doing that. But yeah, but the biggest thing was, is like, it was, yeah, you're right. It was a huge sense of relief. Yeah, and I and still to this day feel weird saying that. I'm very thankful for that. But I was just like, I literally felt, I know that people say this and I had never experienced this sensation until then. I felt like I had lost a hundred pounds in that moment. Yeah. Well, it's, it's sort of, it's the universe taking, it, it uses something terrible, mm-hmm. right? To put you on a path and in a direction that you're meant to go. I mean, I think that the easiest way for anybody to understand is relationships. I mean, because ideally, I mean, it was a relationship. You just broke up with a community, with a job that you loved. Yeah. This was a person that I had dinners with and went on trips with and, you know, other things like that. Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, a relationship went bad and it feels terrible. And sometimes even the build up to it, kind of like you said, the last year is the worst part, but then when it happens, it completely opened you up to, mm-hmm. I mean, sort of, it allowed your soul to sort of come out and be like, wow, this is really what I want. Mm-hmm. And this isn't, I'm going to dream big and step into what you're meant to do. And right. I think since then, I mean, yes, there were several months of like trying to figure shit out because you have to put your head down and mm-hmm. make money for your family. But since then, you've sort of just continued to flourish. Well, that was a whole another year after that. You yeah. Know, that was a whole another year of trying to figure it out. And so, yeah, it, it was really one of those things where, I mean, luckily for me, I have a, a partner and a wife who 
Um, just she's an extremely hard worker. Mm-hmm. And so she stepped up and she became the provider for that next, almost that next year. And well, yeah, it was, if not in a year and some change, um, you know, while, while I was building, you know, ruthless up, I had already spent the last two or three years before that, like building my knowledge base. You know, I was taking, going through OPEX. I was, I took, got my CSCS. Like I had done a bunch of other things while I was at that gym. Um, because that was the one blessing I had is I had the time and the ability and a little bit of the income, um, to be able to support my growth. So, you know, I should go back and say that the, the whole four years that I was there, um, you know, I was able to build my knowledge, yeah. you know, and I, and it really did. But then, yeah, that whole year after that, um, you know, Jade, Jade was a baller and she worked 80 hour weeks at the restaurant while I was at home trying to build the business online, you know, and trying to build the branding, build, you know, you and I had countless conversations about marketing and social mm-hmm. media. You know, I got into video, I got into doing podcasts, all that kind of stuff. And with that too, I mean, it was as much building, I think personally yourself, yeah. like you've, you've grown a lot in the time that I've known you. Right. And I think that you've grown a lot in the time since leaving Duluth in that job. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as much as you were researching marketing, I think you've also rewired who you are. Yeah. I did a lot of, a lot of reading, a mm-hmm. lot of reading after that. Like I did some reading before, but I was going through like a book a week almost at that time, just and then because I was a sad sack of shit sitting on the couch <laughs> in the but same at least pair you were of sweatpants. Sad sack of shit that yeah, read yeah, books. right. And I and, well, I and I'll be completely honest. Like reading and working on the business is probably the only thing that kept me from killing myself. Like, and I mean that in one hundred percent honesty. You know, because I felt like I had failed everybody. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because I, you know, now I didn't have the income to support what Ruthless was at the time, um, and also to you know my wife was now having to spend less time with her family and her daughter, you know, her husband and her daughter cause she was working more. Um, but she's never complained about that cause I, cause I'm so blessed in that way. Um, but yeah, but I did. And I, and I think the first thing, because there was a lot of anger eventually after the relief, then it became a lot of, well, it turned into a lot of anger because I realized that there were still a lot of people that were talking a lot of shit and saying a lot of lies because it's high school. Because it's high school. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I think that really pissed me off after the fact because up until that point, I had been very vocal about what issues were being perpetuated. After that point, I cut it off and I, and I said, I don't need, this is not my, it's no longer my place to speak on these things. Mm-hmm. But then people would tell me and tell me and tell me, and it was my own fault by listening to these things because I should just let them go at the time. But for like the three or four months after that, like, there was many days where like I was getting in my car with a baseball bat to like go confront these people mm-hmm. because I'm just like, I'm just like, fuck you. Like, you know, like, like let it be done. Like you like, let it die. Yeah. It's, it, it's hard because people talk, especially in, in a world where we're so interconnected and mm-hmm. everybody can get on their phone and yeah. message you right. and people like being in other people's business and right. Everyone was in your business. Well, and I think the other part of it too is that there was an agreement that said that okay, we're going our separate ways. We're going to keep our mouths shut, and we're going to let bygones be bygones. And I held that end of my bargain of the bargain up, but there was other people on the other end of that that did not. And that's mm-hmm. when I got really upset because I was like, you know, I was willing to let this go, 
but I'm also the type of personality where if you come after me and my family, like uh, Tom, like Tom and I really like this clothing brand called Stay the Course, and then it says if you fuck with our people, I'll fucking kill you. Yeah. Like, and I'm sorry that sounds really that sounds so aggressive, and I, and I don't mean it that way, but it basically means like if you're going to mess with me and my people, like maybe not physically. Maybe not, mo- you know, whatever, but I will end you and maybe I'll end you in the sense where you just don't exist to me anymore. Yeah. And then I was ready to do that. But then when it went the other way and that's when I, that's when I really got to a point where I was like, I can't live this way. No. And it's not their fault. Mm-hmm. I have to stop blaming them for letting myself be so angry. Yeah. And take ownership for what you're allowing in yes. your life. And so at the time I had had extreme ownership sitting on my shelf and I was like, oh, it's another veteran book. I'm sick of reading veteran books. Like, I know what veterans are all about. And then I started working for an individual in an insurance agency because um, I needed a job. Yeah. And he's like, you should really read this book. And so I finally read Extreme Ownership. So this would have been about almost two, a little over two years ago. And uh, I mean, the the first three chapters of that book, it's, I'm like, man, I am not doing myself a service. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because I'm not taking ownership because that's when I really realized that no matter, no matter, no matter, no matter what, no matter what you say to me, whatever it is that you say to me, ultimately, I am the captain of how I determine that's going to make me feel. Yeah, which you, is hard. It's extremely hard. And, and I mean, you knew me like I was really bad at that. If you're going to come out quick to, yeah, quick to respond, I'm quick to respond. I'm witty. Like I'm witty because I, that's just my personality. You know, if you're going to snap at me, I'm going to clap back. I'm just, that's just my type of per- I grew up, yeah. a, I'm a, I'm a fighter. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like I'm okay with like, like throwing dust in your eyes and then throwing a punch. Like, you know what I mean? That's just my personality or it was my personality. Um, and yeah, so I, but I, that book like hit me in the face and it was like, man, you're a little baby. You are a giant 27-year-old, at the time, 27-year-old baby. Yeah, you're blaming other people for how you're right. feeling right now. You're, you, are letting, you are letting other people's decisions dictate your success or your failure. Like, what are you doing? This is not who you were. Like, when did you become this way? Yeah, and it's not who you want to be. No. And, you know, and so that was the moment where um, I came home from the insurance agency, and I just told Jade, I was like, I cannot work here anymore. Yeah, it was soul sucking. I was, remember you talking about the tests you had to take and you were like, I can't I can't fucking sit down and take these tests. No. I can't study for this. I I don't like it. Yeah. And I tried. I tried really hard. I studied for hours and yeah. days to pass all my you know, real estate, my insurance stuff, like um and I just couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't do it. And finally Jade's like, Okay, fine. But you have to figure out something because I'm about to break because I'm working 80 hours. I'm coming home. I'm cleaning the house. I'm cooking food. You're working on your business and doing all these other self-development things. Like, But you can't forget that your family still exists and we need your help too. And I was like, okay, I'm going to figure it out. And then it just so happened that, um, you know, fast forward a couple of months, I'd gotten to a place and you and I had talked through this whole process. I'd finally gotten to a place, I'd probably say about four or five months into that year where I was like, you know what? I love these people mm-hmm. and I love them for the opportunity, that the, the opportunities that they've given me. And then it turned from something that I was so angry that I felt so sad for these people. Mm-hmm. Like in my heart, like even saying yeah. it to you now, like I feel bad for these people because I still know things about these individuals, um, you know, that I know that they haven't had the opportunity 
to have to choose to grow the way I have. Yeah, you were forced to. I was forced in to. In a way, yeah. Yeah, I was forced to. And so, yeah, so then it got to a point, and then it just so randomly happened that I was like, you know what? I, I know I'm part of this uh, CrossFit affiliate jobs group. I hadn't been on it in years. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm just going to go on the affiliate group on Facebook and see. And uh, Jess Grundall, the owner of CrossFit Fargo, literally 30 seconds before that, because it's got the timestamp for yeah. when she posted it, looking for a head coach and a business like manager type position. I literally clicked the link, sent her an email. She had emailed me back in like 10 minutes. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And then How? 30 minutes later, I had a phone interview set up with Jeremy, the uh, the other owner, uh, within the next like day or two. Yeah. It's, yeah. Things fall into place when they need to. Mm-hmm. And now, and you, you ended up getting that job and you took I ended it. up getting that job. And then also too, within that whole year, I ended up, uh, we tripled our, our client list with Ruthless. You um, have a couple coaches now. I have, mean, it's not just you anymore. No, it's not just me. So yeah, we brought on a couple other people as coaches. Um, uh, we tripled our client list and we made, I think, I think in the two or three months before I moved to Fargo, Mm -hmm. we had made more money in that month than we had made the entire year previously. I mean, and that's not much. We're still not, I mean, we're, we're still, I, we don't really make, it's not, I don't make my living off of Ruthless, you know, but it was still so cool to see that. And, and through the whole course of that year, people were coming out of the woodwork. Hey, we like your brand. We want to sponsor you. Hey, um, I want to be a client can I pay you for the year in full? Yeah. Like as a struggling new business owner, I was like, uh, do I need to like give you a blow job? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yes. Yeah, what, what like, y- yeah. yeah. And, you know, so that, you know what that allowed me to do? It allowed me to give some of my coaches a little bit of money. Mm-hmm. It allowed me to say, Hey, I'm not going to charge you for programming anymore because I want you to be a coach or I want you to be a bigger part of this team. I'm just going to do your programming for you as a way to say thank you because I can't pay you yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which I think is, I mean, it's a testament to you and the the brand that you're building. Yes, at the end of the day, business is for profit. I mean, unless you're a non-profit, right? But even at, you know, even at these camps, you're not making money off these camps. And a lot of the people that come are already clients, right? Mm -hmm. So you're, you might not even be gaining that many clients from it, but it's all about the community. And it's, you said it when you first started talking about programming that even with Alex, it was like, Hey, this is a muscle up. Can you do it? And Mm -hmm. you just loved seeing her try and grow and be able to do that. And I think Mm -hmm. that that feeling that you had at the beginning continues to grow and be represented because yes, you do want to make money and it would be cool if one day Ruthless made enough money to support your whole family, but that's not the way that you measure your success or growth as a business. No. And we we never have like, you know, Jade and I talk about it all the time because you know, she kind of helps. Well, I'm really bad with managing money, so she kind of she manages our finances. Go and, figure. Yeah, and she's like, uh, you know, like what? I remember probably about mm, six months ago, she asked, like, like what is your like what is your plan? Like, you're giving so many people on your list free programming, like, and and all these other people, like, what? Like, what's your plan? And I was like, you know, I would like Ruthless to be to a point where. Um, you know, I, we, you know, we, we have a couple staff members that are moving. We have a couple other people that travel a lot. Um, we have a couple individuals who are in college, you know, who are coaches and things. You know, it's like, I'd like to get to a point where, 
if those individuals wanted to stay in college for the rest of their life and keep learning, they can make a living off of doing this remotely and live in fucking Bangkok, Thailand, if they wanted to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because... I remember and it's actually really cheap to live in well, Thailand. It's extremely cheap to live so, there. Hey, why like, not? Yeah. <laughs> like honestly, probably when Hadley turns eighteen, I'll probably try to convince Jay to move there if it's why still not? the thing. You know what I mean? So but either cheap. way, like the the idea was like, I, what really, in reality, what the mind shift was is that I really hated the shitty way that I was treated by people who took advantage of me when I gave them every part of my soul to support their business. Mm-hmm. And I was, I'm like, and I'm never going to do that. If yeah. I, whether that's when I own a gym, maybe someday, or Ruthless continues to grow the way it's been growing. Like, and the, and the other thing too was that the other thing I think that was so smothering or so intoxicating about not intoxicating, I'm um, toxic about that environment that you were in. It's like anytime we had we brought an idea or a, a passion project that we wanted to work on, if it didn't benefit the business or that individual. It was almost said like, well, we can't do that or there's no reason to do that, Mm -hmm. you know? And so the other thing is, is like with our staff members or our team, like if at any, if at any point in their career, it's like, you know what? I think I want to do my own programming company. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, bud. Like, yeah, it's, you know what I mean? Like, let's go. Like, I'm proud of you. Like, let's do it. Like you, you, you do your thing. Mm -hmm. I'm proud that we can, I'm proud that we could have been a part of your story. Yeah. And I think that, um, that's how great things are born, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can be a place where you're a type A person and you hire people under you who are motivated enough to do what you want them to do, but not enough that they really want something for themselves, right. which can be great. I think a lot there are a lot of successful yeah. businesses out there, but there's something beautiful about having... This is kind of corny, but if you're like a seed, right, and yeah. you grow, and what is it, fucking dandelions, yep. and they let go, and the more dandelions grow, right. it's kind of like that. Yeah. And I think where in the fitness industry, in the online industry, and I was actually talking to my friend Miranda about this the other day, is there's a scarcity mindset mm-hmm. where we think, <laughs> well, you do programming, and I, I want to do programming, but how are we both going to do programming and make a living? It's like, there's a lot of fucking people out there, there and there's a lot of money in the, the world. I, this, I could be totally like off on this number, but isn't it something like eight, eight billion people live on this planet or something? Sure. More than that. A lot. A lot. There's a lot of people and there's yeah. a lot of money and there's more than enough room for everyone. Right. And I think we get jealous and we get yeah. insecure and mm-hmm. it's very hard to want others to succeed because we feel like if they succeed that it's going to come at our detriment mm. but i love that that's not how you function as a brand yeah i, I think that for me like I, and that's not to say i haven't ever gotten in the scarcity mindset because i have yeah you know there's been times um you know, uh, where I've had instances where at, at the very beginning where I had other athletes where like I'd randomly see them post that they were doing like a workout from another template program. Be like, Hey, what are you doing? <laughs> and it's like, you know, and like when I think about back to that self, like part of it was like imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. you know, worried that I wasn't offering them enough value, like, but now not good enough. Yeah. But now it's like when that happens, it's like, you know what? We are who we are and we do what we do. And we're all, as long as we continue to do that, the right people are always going to come and go. And I think that's the other part, part of the scarcity mindset is that you have to realize that people are finicky and it's not your place to make them unfinicky. It's just your place to be real with people and people are going to come and go, mm-hmm. you know, especially in the business of online, anything, mm-hmm. you know, um, 
you know, you look like there's this one lady, I think her name is Brooke Dawson or something like that. She's this huge online fitness, like uh, customized meal plan, blah, blah, blah. She's got like, it's like something. <laughs> <laughs> My good dog. He has a new puppy. She just pissed on the ground again in front of everyone. <laughs> and I don't even know what to do with you right I'm now. I'm sorry. And she just goes and lays down. She yeah. like comes over and looks at me and goes like, and lays down. Fuck you. So gangster. I'm gonna be right here. Um, yeah, but you know, like this lady, like she's got it's like something like over three thousand of her followers who bought her custom meal plan. Like they didn't hear from after they paid for it, they oh, didn't hear from her in like four that. months. Yeah, she was running a program. Yes, and she made all up all these excuses yes. about internet connection. And that's the thing is, is like I know that there's so many people out there that can be seen. But I get to deal with fucking dumbasses like that yeah. to make me make my company better. Because when people come to our company, um, we we had a girl. We have a girl, or I shouldn't say a girl because she's a woman. Um, we have a woman who's new to our team, Allison. And one of the things is that the coach that she had previous and another person named Nicole and both of them had a similar story where the coach that they had come from before would just like post their programming and then they wouldn't hear from them for five to six months until they like third or fourth email was like, Hey, I would like to talk to you about what's going on. Yeah. You know, and they, you know, most of our, I would say on the regular, most of our people are getting feedback at least once or twice a week, if not more, mm-hmm. you know, and just like within within Allison's first couple of weeks, she was like, I love that I can text you or Facebook you or talk to you on true coach and you have something to give for me, whether it's good or bad. Sometimes I'm just given like a thumbs up and be like, you're a rock star. Yeah. You know? And to her, like if that's like, if that person is the difference in business is, is creating a relationship like that with someone to where we're just reflecting value back on people. I think that's the biggest thing I took away from this whole mess that we've been talking about Yeah, is that people aren't metrics to us. Yeah. People are a reflection of who we are. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, I talked to, we talked about it at the camp this, this weekend that we've had some high level athletes contact us and I have a phone conversation for, with them and they're dickheads. Yeah. And I, and you, I don't want you to reflect who we, I don't want you to reflect who we are cause you, cause you don't, Yeah. you know? And then, so I think that one of the biggest things I took away and you and I used to have conversations about this all the time is that we never felt like the value of the humanity of the clients in our community were valued the way that they say they, that we, that the company preached that they were. Yeah. Like it's, we're all about the community, but you're actually about the numbers. Yeah. Which again, business is business and you need it, but you also need to do it in a way that just only increases value back and forth. It has to be a return on investment. You know what I mean? So yeah, I mean, it's become a full circle. I think if, if you were to ask me, if we were to have had this conversation, you know, in 2017, mm-hmm. like I wouldn't really have much to talk to you about because I'd still be trying to figure out who it, who I was or who I needed to be to get to where I am today. And, you know, I think that the biggest takeaway for me is that I saw people like I've seen the things that you've gone through in your life and I, I've seen the, you know, the with internally the things that you've gone through and other people, you know, within our organization or other people we know. And it's like, why, why, why wouldn't I step up for myself and grow the way that, you know, you would learn to grow or other people learn to grow when I'm the person that people are looking to for growth. Yeah. Even people that you don't even know are looking. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, when you say that, like even the people who don't know are looking like I had, if I want to have a story to share, 
I have to be okay with going through the chapters that are uncomfortable. Yeah. And, and the identity changes, right. And growth is, it can be painful. Shit. Like you have growing pains when you're young, when you're you're physically growing, it's the same way emotionally. Even good growth. Like, you know, you think about like Miranda and Rob who are about to move to Texas. Yeah. Like Miranda is, you know, fucking shit in her pants 24 seven, but she's excited. Yeah. That's growth. Well, and when, changed. and when you're excited about something and you're terrified of it, I feel like that's just a wonderful mix. Yeah. For and Miranda's sitting in the room for you guys who are listening. So I'm not just like throwing her under the bus. Like she's sitting in the room <laughs> listening to this, but you know, but like, yeah, what you're saying is like change is uncomfortable. And then, and I think that like that, that it's uncomfortable in the way that like we talked about with the athletes was that last night or this morning that it's not about what, where or what you want to be. Mm-hmm. It's about who you want to be. Yeah. Like that's the hardest question to ask. It is hard. But when you, when you start to realize that that's what you need to ask is when you can start taking steps to answer right. it. But asking it is almost just as hard as trying to figure it out. Well, I think sometimes asking it is too, is because we can ask it of ourselves, but most of us don't have the answers. Mm-hmm. So we're forced to find them, whether that's finding them through other people or finding them through you know, just help, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, if it's a book, if it's a course, it's, if it's a professional, if it's meditation, if it's art, I know that's yeah. been huge for you, Yeah. you know what I mean? And just being able to express maybe not in an emotion you can even put a word to, but it allows you to express your emotion through your art, yeah. um, through your martial arts, you mm-hmm. know, those, those types of things. I think that, I think that now I'm in a place where like for me, my reflection of, of, you know, my passion is just having these kind of conversations, like letting people know that, Hey, I've, I haven't been in the seat that you've been in, but I've sat in the same aisle as you, Yeah, you know what I mean? And I, you know, and even though maybe my plane got off at a different place, like I was, I was still flying in the same direction. So I, I, I can get where you, where you're going. Let me just share with you because maybe something that I'm doing is going to benefit you or maybe something I'm doing is going to tell you I don't want to do that. You know what I mean? And so I think that for me right now where my my release comes from is being able to – I've gotten really good at calling people out on their bullshit in a loving way. Which is what people need. Yeah. Shit's so sugar-coated these days. Like People need more friendships where they're just – tell you what you need to hear. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, there's been people here this weekend that I can see a look on their face. I know them well enough. Now I can see a look on their face and go, Hey, knock it off. Like go have some fun. You know what I mean? Or stop taking yourself so seriously or Hey, what, what actually is going on? Mm -hmm. You know? And I think that had I not gone through what I went through in that year of losing that job and losing that situation, I wouldn't be able to do those things. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be able to, Hmm. I wouldn't be able to have the relationships I have with people had I not gone through that. My business wouldn't be what it is without that. I mean, we, we, are, we really actively are. I'm excited for this year because we are really we are actively finally to a point where I feel like we're making a real impact on people's lives. Yeah, we work in both competitive and personal fitness and performance, but we also are... Um, you know, in a position where we have a lot of conversations with those clients about their lives, you know? And I mean, um, I was texting somebody that was at camp this morning and they were asking me like, 
Hey, so if I do this journaling thing in the morning, <laughs> like, is it okay if I'm doing it for like a half an hour? <laughs> you know, and, and they didn't give me a number, but I could tell that they were maybe doing it what they felt like it was a long time. Yeah. I was like, yeah, like, I don't know. Like it could be five minutes. It could be whatever. It's like, it's whatever you need it to be, Yeah, you know, like. Those kind of conversations are what so are so cool to me. Yeah, because it's about again the people and growth, yeah. not just like the growth of your biceps, but mm-hmm. the growth of who you are as a person. Yeah. 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 No, it's it's been crazy. I mean, it's compared to live comparatively to where we were. We live in a bigger house that's brand new. I make twice as much money. I work half as many hours. I get to have seven dudes sleeping in my living room so that they don't have to buy a hotel room to come out to camp. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like that was, I I was thinking this morning I was walking through and looking at the disaster of our living room. I'm like, this is awesome because where the position we were in before I could have never afforded this much space Mm -mm. to be able to host and support people. And like that is to me, to me, everything that we've talked about in this like conversation, I would go through it all over again if it brought me back to this place. Which is super powerful. Mm-hmm. And it's it's good that, and I love that you're finally in a spot where you can look back and say that. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone here is grateful for all that you've been through because you are now providing opportunities like this to us. Right. And then helping us grow. Right. And, and you all continue to keep me, you all continue because of the reactions that you guys have to being part of our organization. Like you guys keep me understanding that, um, that everything I went through had a purpose. Yeah. You know, so. Which is probably the overarching mm-hmm. theme of everything we talked about today. Right. And so even when you don't see it and you're in the depths of it, like there is always a reason, there is always a purpose for what you're doing. Yeah. And you just have to trust in that. Yeah. I think that's the, the, the kind of the last phrase that sticks in my mind that a gentleman um, at our gym here in Fargo has always said to me, he's like, when you're at the bottom of the hole, you don't try to crawl out, grab a shovel and keep digging until you're on the other end of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm like. Damn. That's really powerful. That's like, damn, dude. Like, all right. Like that, like, why did I never think of it like that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Dig your, dig your way, dig your way to the other side of it so that you can see where you've been. Yeah. Cause you don't need to go back to where you were. No. That's great. I think we're just going to end with that. Yeah. Cause that's cool. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was good. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. This is good. This won't be the last podcast that. We talk on, I hope I'm not. sure. Yeah. Maybe next time we can like enjoy some holistic medicine. Some holistic and, medicine. And then have a podcast. That would be kind yeah, of fun. Yeah, that would so. be good. All Sweet. right. Well, thank well, you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you.